Yeah. Yeah. Draft day. Johnny Manziel. Five years later, how am I the man still? Beautiful Sunday. Draft day. Back together. We're living the good life, baby. It's April. It's April. Darn right. It's, April. it's draft month. We got to start closing out the. Uh, Consistently closing out the pod with with draft day this month, and uh, it seems like we we've reached this point in the calendar. Honestly, these are somewhat the dog days of draft of draft season, mm-hmm. in, in my opinion, because for, for for better or worse, as much as we can hate on how much the combine and the pro day influence things, that's where a lot of information is traded, man. And uh, you start hearing some narratives, yep. you start hearing which way things are going to go, and. With all those kind of dissipating, everyone just retreats to the lab, man, and starts making their their final preparations. There was the you know the owners and coaches meeting in, in Florida, and uh, now, man, we're just in the in the home stretch here, heading up to to the draft happening in Vegas. Met some Raiders fans this weekend that were that are going to go to the draft, despite the fact that they traded away their their first round pick. But uh, yeah, man, we're 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 heading up uh, right up to it. How do you guys feel like about this draft? I guess overall, like last year, we had a lot of the quarterback excitement, even maybe some some higher talent players. It, it seems like compared to this year uh, at the top. What do you guys just think of the draft as a whole and the narratives around it compared to the other ones that we've been talking about for a while? Um, I'll start. I guess. I mean, I, I'm really excited about this year's draft, and I kind of like that it was a little uh, annoying to start that there weren't any quarterbacks that I really loved that were going to be drafted early. Um, and I, it's just turned into a thing that I kind of enjoy now because um, it, it just leads me to, to looking, delving that much deeper into kind of where the uh, positional value is outside of quarterback. Um, so I'm really looking forward to kind of what direction these, a lot of these teams are going to go. Um, and like you said, man, we're, we're, we're in draft season right now, and it's really fun just watching this all kind of unfold in front of us. <clears throat> we're, you know, three weeks away here, so... Very, very exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a really interesting draft uh, because I think it, it has kind of a a reputation, or at least there's a narrative now that it's not, you know, obviously the draft isn't as strong at the top, but I think it's kind of fantasy influence where there's not, obviously, Lee mentioned the quarterbacks, and there isn't a Jamar Chase or even potentially, you know, a CD, a CD Lamb, Jerry Judy type. I mean, maybe London is that guy for a lot of people, but... This is just a draft that I think is going to be a lot of good day two and surely day three picks uh, because it's just so deep and I think it's going to be, the drama is going to be high. I still think this is probably, I mean, I mean this definitely is the draft in recent memory, I guess maybe since 2017, which was the Miles Garrett, you know, Trubisky, um, Solomon Thomas draft at the top three. We don't really know outside of the first pick. It's like, yeah, Hutchinson is is very likely to go at one now, but other than that, it's kind of all up in the air. And even at one, man, starts like, yeah, they they still yeah, could, exactly. could not take Hutchinson. Even the even like the exactly, and that's the surest thing. That's the yeah. thing that we're the most sure of in the draft, which is kind of I think what is the takeaway and is crazy. Yeah, just even looking at the way that the uh, betting market has it, kind of the the numbers lined up. Hutchinson isn't that much of an overwhelming favorite to be the first pick. He's somewhere around minus 250, I think. Um, and, you know, I think that there's a lot of people out there that, you know, the contrarians of the draft prediction world that wouldn't be shocked to see a guy like Trayvon Walker go first overall. I mean, I think he's the most popular option outside of Hutchinson. Um, but then, hey, I mean, I'll, I'll say it. I had, I had Adam throw down <clears throat> a quarter unit on both – uh, Ikwanwu and Evan Neal to be the first pick because I don't necessarily think that the whole Cam Robinson extension situation is enough ammunition for the Jaguars to not go in the direction of getting more protection for their uh, last year's number one pick, Trevor Lawrence, who had some issues with with you know getting pressured heavily. Uh, Lee, let's you know let's, let's watch let's watch our, our language there. You know, I've yeah. been the subject that of some, is you know some books here. That is know, I, that is. True. I would say you know I I was consulted by you know people I trusted in my circles yeah. on football and and was persuaded to maybe take some money that I found and and put it on. We may have to edit that out actually. Specific plays 
and you know should should the bets hit i may reposition some of those funds uh to the the person who gave me the tip there may be a reallocation at some point allegedly <laughs> maybe not through the internet yeah. in, in in person yeah. you know briefcase um, reallocation yeah i wanted to just I, i've been thinking too we did you know tommy and i did a mock kind of you know we did a mock last week I'm thinking about the what would I do mock, you know, starting to try and put my board together for that fantastic podcast coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. And was just thinking a little bit about draft philosophy, boys, and wanted to, to and also just thinking about the Lions, man, that's where all my, my thoughts kind of come from. Wanted to ask you guys about, like, I feel like when we're putting these mocks together and even when I'm doing, like, the what would I do mock, I'm thinking about, like, okay, these are the teams I have, like, what needs do they have and where does, like, the board fit with what needs these teams have? And at the end of the day, I thought back to uh, the 2014 draft when the Detroit Lions took Eric Ebron, uh, quite a quite an infamous pick, at least in Detroit. Um, and then the two names you always hear all the time is, wow, they took Eric Ebron over like Odell Beckham and they took him over Aaron Donald. And the reality is to me, like if you go back to 2014, if the Lions were to have picked Aaron Donald or Odell Beckham, there would have been takes out there immediately after the pick maybe even in the first year after the pick saying why did we take that player because we already have say if you know why did we take Aaron Donald we have Adama Kinsu and Nick Fairley and they would have said oh why did you take Odell Beckham you have Golden Tate and you have Calvin Johnson um but obviously when you're looking back through these drafts you're always looking at oh like who did you know who did the team take and and who went right after them who could this team have had you're not thinking, oh, well, the Lions had a need at tight end, so it made sense for them to take Eric Ebron because the guy was a bust. So ultimately, I think I'm kind of like changing my the way I think about the draft for these teams where it's like, at what point like should you just take the best player on your board kind of like no matter what? Um, with the exceptions yeah, of I- like if you have a franchise quarterback and a quarterback is top on your board, or if you don't have a franchise quarterback and a quarterback you really like is near the top of your best players available and you need to take the risk because of how inflated the positional value of quarterback is or if it's like a running back because of the you know lower positional value of that and you're not really trying to take a running back in the top 10 and then it kind of got me thinking about like what about this year for the lions at two like what if evan neal is just like the number one player on brad holmes's board and it's like yeah you took penny Sola last year you have taylor decker but it's like, are you going to take maybe a risk on a Trayvon Walker or a Kayvon Thibodeau if you don't really have those guys? You, all, you They're probably going to be highly rated, but what if you have like Evan Neal like clearly above those players? And it's like, you're going to have criticism from people if you make that pick like, oh, they already have Taylor Decker and Penny Sewell. But it's like, you, you sucked last year. All these teams in the top 10 suck. Like, why are certain positions like kind of out of sight and out of mind when we're putting these projections together? And, like, what is the best way to, to draft? Like, should you just take the best player, in your opinion, no matter what? Or how much should, like, the needs really fit into it? And to me, I feel like you should almost ignore your team needs with a few exceptions and just truly take the, the players who you think are going to be the best and figure it out later. Like, what's the worst situation for the Lions if they take Evan Neal? You have, like, three above-average NFL tackles? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree, and I feel like it's something that I have subscribed to for the most part. Like, I I think you learn very quickly because I think, at least for me, when you're doing mocks year after year and you always look at our lads and you look at the depth chart and you kind of see where their team needs are generally, uh, you just, I think I've seen from all the drafts that I've looked at where it's like, if you're missing on those players, then it like doesn't really even matter. And I think that. Uh, you know, kind of goes to what you're saying, Adam. And to me, it's just ultimately you don't let any players on the spectrum of, like, solid, you know, like, oh, they're on our roster and they, like, aren't totally awful to to prevent you from taking, you know, good players. And, uh, like, the Cowboys with C.D. Lamb, uh, for example, I think that's kind of, you go back to that, uh, you mentioned Odell and the Lions, uh, especially at the, the value of the receiver position and how, much a dynamic receiving talent can do towards your offense, especially when you have 
the weapons that they already had in, in Cooper and Gallup. So, and I think that kind of proliferates everywhere. And I think you set up, I think you set it up well, Adam, just if, unless you have a franchise quarterback and unless you're trying to, you still want to take uh, high value positions, obviously. So it has to be like a gentle balance of that. But I, uh, I, I totally agree. I think, uh, yeah, there's, there's not much disagreement there. I think that's the heady way. Yeah, I I agree for the most part. I think that there's context into like the the I guess algorithm. Let's call it when you're trying to evaluate what player to pick. Um, I think if 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 Evan Neal is overwhelmingly rated by you in your scouting department to be uh, a player that you're projecting to be an All Pro type of guy, and you don't have this even similar ratings on a guy like Trayvon Walker or Hutchinson if he's available. I think you absolutely should take Evan Neal. I think if your department likes a player marginally less, but it's at a position of of significantly more need, I think you should take that player because I think that that kind of goes into building the roster where you were, like you said, Clep, you were really bad last year. And if you take Evan Neal... Let's say you have Evan Neal rated marginally higher than Trayvon Walker, but Edge is obviously a bigger need. If you take Evan Neal, it's like you kind of it, – it's a good problem to have, I guess, but nonetheless it's a problem where it's like how are we going to manage getting these guys like reps? Because as far as I know, and I could be wrong, you can't just throw Evan Neal in at guard or Taylor Decker in at guard or even Sewell. I guess Sewell would be the most likely one to be playing guard. But then it's like, hey, you just spent a top 10 pick on this guy last year to be a tackle, right? So, like, I don't really I don't really think... To me, like, the, the scenario in that would be we're going to, like, move Decker. Like, we're going to get younger and less expensive at tackle. Like, we're not going to carry three tackles. Yeah. I think maybe you run into issues because it's like... I think this is honestly an interesting just, like, thought experiment just for the Lions at two because you don't really see them get mocked tackles. Um and I don't think it's necessarily likely, but you're also potentially deflating the draft value, like the your what you could get back for for Decker in a trade, mm-hmm. based on like the fact that oh you have Evan Neal and Sewell, and they know like teams will know that they can kind of lowball you. Yeah. On, on Decker, um, like I think Decker would probably be worth like a late first. Or maybe like an early second. Like I feel like that's what his like value would be, or or just like a gen in general like a twenty twenty three one for a team that like wants a, a tackle. Um, I think that's rich, man. I think that especially in the situation where the Lions were to be taking Evan Neal, I yeah. I mean, if if that's a situation, then yeah, maybe. I almost would I rather mean, have them like trade Decker now. And well, that's I think what you would you would do. Yeah. Like you trade Decker now, but even then like you kind of expose that, yourself kind of, a little bit because what if you, you don't like Icky or Cross or whoever yeah. as much yeah. as Neil, and then all of a sudden the Jaguars take Neil? Um, yeah, or if you like Icky and Neil, I think right, and you're like Club. Just to segue into a similar a similar conversation, but just to looking at the Jaguars, like I personally think the Jaguars should yeah. probably draft Evan Neal, like actually because. You just drafted a franchise quarterback. Your offensive line was bad last year, right? Cam Robinson is like, fine, sure. I'm not going to pretend to act like I've watched every Cam Robinson rep, but just looking at the statistics and metrics of, of the Jaguars' offensive line last year, it was like objectively poor. Um, and now it's like all of a sudden, oh, well, they, they're bringing Cam Robinson back. So, so you're going to have the same offensive line essentially that you did last year. Like why not – use the capital to protect Trevor Lawrence. And I, Taylor Decker is better than Cam Robinson. Like, so I think if you have like a kind of a middling tackle, who's just kind of sitting on the precipice of being above average, then you replace that guy. Um, So that's where I think the conversation is interesting. And that, that's the context that I want. I'm just trying to bring to the table is like, yeah. I also think that the lions are an incredibly unique situation where like, this is kind of the fringe discussion that you're talking about, Adam, where, as of general rule, the philosophy that you're talking about, I think, is correct. But then you get to these, like, kind of proliferations of it. Proliferation. <laughs> whatever. Uh, proliferations. Thank you, Lee. Um, and you have to kind of deal with, with the situation. 
Um, and I completely agree with you, Lee. And also, I think it's really important to mention that Cam Robinson is franchise tagged. It's not like they have this; they haven't committed long term money to him uh, and kind of made him their franchise left tackle, for lack of a better word. Uh, they signed Brandon Scherf, which obviously des- deserves to be mentioned, but I completely agree. You know, draft Evan Neal. Their offensive line was bad, and you need this team isn't going anywhere if Trevor Lawrence isn't. Uh, well, know, and it's like, what if does the conversation change when you move away from the ta- offensive tackle position? I feel like it's a very comfortable conversation to have when you talk about the offensive line because you can never have enough enough depth. What if Brad Holmes' highest offensive rated player is Drake London, and he and he has Drake London graded as a top mm. ten pick? Are you going to take him at two? What if the what if the highest rated player on the Lions board is Sauce Gardner? Are you going to take him at two? Yeah, I know. That's I mean, that's it, interesting discussion. It's, 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 that's that's would, where the discussion kind of gets interesting. You know, like I would one hundred percent because who in the Lions for? I mean, we can bring in draft position value later, but Hutchinson is gone, and they don't like Thibodeau, and we obviously all love Thibodeau. I think you take whoever the best player is on your board. I think when it gets to offensive line, it gets a little murky and there's a little bit more of a conversation there. But what other position group on the Lions is preventing them from taking the best, uh, you know, besides running back and tight end, I'd say. Uh, I think everything else. I think it's just like the, the I mean, I don't just like, I'm just saying like, obviously even me, like I might say like, oh, you took sauce. Like what if like, cause you have Amani, like Amani Mm -hmm. to me is like one of the, few players on the defense that is like a for sure starting caliber corner and then you have okuda who obviously is comes with the the first round third overall pick pedigree but has played nothing of the sort and has been injured coming off an achilles and you have ify melifonwu who was injured in his first year had some flashes but like has had injuries since college um is not you know it's not somebody that you like mm-hmm. are feeling good about the fact that you might have to start him um, maybe on the, on your team so it's like to it's an interesting conversation to me like if I'm Brad Holmes I'm saying like I think you have to make the distinction like is Sauce Gardner Jalen Ramsey where it's like is this guy like a generational was- corner to the point that if I pass on him I'm just making such a giant mistake because of how like like this guy could be like fitted for a gold jacket tomorrow. Or it's like, could I get like a good corner again in next year's draft? And I need to like see if Okuda can be a starter. I want to see if if he can be a starter. I don't want to give up on those guys like at this moment because who knows? Maybe Okuda just is like a very good corner next year. And all of a sudden I have Amani and Okuda and they're fine, right? Like I think it comes to like your own like roster evaluations too. Um, you know, come into play because I don't know, like that's a position, right? Where it's like, if you, if you don't draft sauce, you could be filling in another need. And it turns out that you actually didn't really have that big of a need at corner and you're going to be fine with Amani and Okuda. Yeah. I don't know. I I think if you're, I think if you're thinking about it that way, like what if Okuda is good? I, I, I feel like if I'm Brad Holmes, I'm expecting Okuda to be bad until he proves to me that he can be a starting corner Sure. And to me, it's like that's a good problem to have. Again, it all comes back to having good problems to have. Evan Neal is a great tackle. You draft him. Now you have three great tackles. That's a good problem to have. Sauce Gardner is a great corner. Okuda ends up playing well. Now you have three really good corners. That's a good problem to have. Mm-hmm. To me, I think that um, if you have Sauce Gardner rated as the best defensive player in the draft, you take him at two, period. Like, yeah, and yeah. and that's just kind I of don't necessarily you know, disagree. It, like if if that's where you're coming. I from. do think I think I also think Adam. I like disagree uh, like lightly, and I like agree with Lee that like you just ring off the corners there. I I mean I like Sauce Gardner a lot, and I think his floor is like incredibly high. I'm pretty confident that Sauce Gardner is better than all those guys. And it's and that's not even a shot at them. I just think that Sauce Gardner is going to come in. But I mean, dude. But we all thought Okuda would be like even as a you know. I think so. I mean, at least maybe I'm overrating like his performance against Jamison Williams and like what he did throughout. Not only he's also from Detroit too, and just how he's also from Detroit. But again, it doesn't even really matter what I think about Sauce. I think like in the exercise. I, I really do mean what I say, especially on the Lions. It's like, what a, as Lee said, what a great problem to have. If Amani um, Oriwarie, who, Adam, you're very high on, and I think we he all... He had a phenomenal year last that year. That was your boy coming phenomenal out. Is your, 
is your number yeah. two corner. That's, you know, that, and, and corner also is an incredibly high value position. Like, look at how these guys are getting paid out. Look at how mediocre corners, you know, I'm not, I'm not even trying to throw shade, but guys who, you know, are, are solid and they DJ get Reed. huge bags yeah. from teams. Yeah. DJ Reed potentially, you know, what's uh who's the Shaquille Griffin, yeah. you know, I think he's good, but like he got how much money from the Jaguars. It happens every year. I think, and I think the same thing goes for edge. And I think you probably would. As an edge for an edge rush, I think Adam, you would agree with that too, and Liam, yeah. assuming too. Like, I just think corner is an incredibly high value position, and you can't really get enough of like good corners. Like, look at the Broncos now, man. With like when they drafted yeah. Sertain, it was like, oh man, they have so many good corners, and now it's like Sertain's their best corner, and their their corner but, room. But is then I also think eight, there's a little so. bit of context to sprinkle in where it's like, okay, am I doing am I doing the organization a disservice by taking this guy this high? Like let's say for yep. just for just Sauce would then eclipse Okuda as the highest would. ever taken. He would. And Sauce is an even more comfortable conversation. Like let's say that the Lions whole scouting department is like Devin Lloyd is like the best player defensive player in this yeah. draft. We don't <laughs> yeah. like they're all in agreement. Yeah. They're like what's going on? This Why is, is this is Lee? This is where we end up in the Parnell Motley mirror. Exactly. Where, where we it's had like been heading of a team, we would have taken Parnell round three. Round like, <laughs> we would not have been able to hold our, our piss anymore. We would have straight pissed our pants if we let him well, go. Well, because if you see someone else like, oh, draft Parnell being undrafted and you could have had value. And that's yeah. exactly. I also think I also think you can point to the Raiders for this cuz I think Mayock did exactly what we're talking about pretty much. For sure. Uh, during his tenure yeah, with like the Raiders. I was going to take Alex This Hutter. is where... Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and this is where, like, Lee, what you were just talking about, like, if Devin Lloyd is the Lions' best player at two, then you really need to do what you For can sure. to trade down. Like, and that's what, like, you know, and that was a common uh, criticism But I think with Mayock... It was, it was warranted just about... Like, you know Alex Leatherwood is most likely going to be, be there in the second round. Where, Mayock, you know, maybe but that's no why offers, Mayock but, was bad on day one. And even round two, round, but he hit on Max Crosby. He hit on Nate yeah. Hobbs. He he hit on dudes where it's Hobbs, like, yeah. I'm just going to take a shot on this guy. And some of them he completely missed, like Tanner Muse. But Rev- exactly, it's like I, I feel like that mentality. Once you hit like round three, take your guys. Just take your guys because so many people yeah. are missing, and you need to just you can't you know you 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 can't overthink it. You can't look at. Anyone else's big board. I think the, the the value conversation happens really on day one and kind of on in round two. Day one, it's all about the. You have totally. to be looking at mock drafts. You have to be looking at. You can. You always have to have hearing your, what's coming. You yeah. have to have your big board in mind, but you have to play the value game because if you're out here taking Devin Lloyd with the second pick, great. You could have him rated as the top player, but you're doing your organization a disservice by not moving down. And trying to uh, you know accrue a little bit yeah. more value so you can take swings later in the draft, you know, that's where that's what I think is really interesting. Just I was talking about it with Klepp a little and bit the like, other day. And it's like even if you even if, I'm sorry to cut you You're off, fine. Me, but it's like even if you don't like in that in that in that world, like even if you don't get Devin Lloyd, right? There's probably going to be a player who isn't like that far rated like below him. Mm-hmm. And if you can like, what's the value of like? Oh, maybe I can move back. And get a different guy versus like yeah. the value of just Devin Lloyd as a whole. Well, Sorry, that, go ahead though. That's kind of the mirror room conversation of like, is it always the right move to trade back like ninety five percent of the time, unless there's a guy who you obviously should take, which is just a whole other kind of Madden esque conversation. But we don't need we don't need to get well, down. I think in the yeah. in the uh, Devin Lloyd example with like a kind of lower value position like linebacker, at least how the draft represents it. I think then you really do need to if it's if it's if you go full draft uh, draft day mode Kevin Costner and just put Devin mm-hmm. Lloyd on the post it. I think your main priority has to be recognizing what his value is around the league and moving back to and take him at you know anywhere from yeah. five to 10. absolutely and and yeah, but in um, that universe though it's like, there's a really everyone likes to talk about trading down but there's always more teams that want to move down than want to move up. Yep. For sure, and that's why it's almost a mad. You can't. It's unrealistic to think you can always just trade down. You know, you, at a certain point, you have to put your foot in yes. the ground and make a pick. Totally. But I'm just saying, you know, in this nuanced situation of having the number two pick and having the big board line up the way it does, where it's like, hey, you know, we have uh, George Pickens rated as a as a as a top fifteen pick. We're not going to take him at two. Hell, we're not going to take him at ten. We know he's not going to go top ten. So then it's playing the game of like, okay. 
where do we want to position ourselves where we can get value while while safely being able you don't want to take a risk and be like we're going to try to get pickens at 32 it's like if you really want the guy you need to kind of overdraft him because you're believing in your scouting department you're believing in your yeah. in your ability to evaluate talent but but it's a matter of trying to figure out where that sweet spot is a little bit you don't want to be waiting and looking at who being like i hope he falls to us you don't want to be in that position you want to be able to comfortably take a guy you know so it's very interesting but it is very much a day one mental game, yeah. I think, where the later you get into the draft, it's more so just like if you got a guy rated high, just take him in round three. Like even if he's evaluated around the league as like a fifth round guy, you got to just take him because another team might feel the same way and teams aren't afraid to take swings. There's too many veteran GMs in the league that aren't afraid to take swings on day, you know, late day two, you know, in the draft. Yeah, this actually, uh, I'm I'm going a little off script here, but I was gonna send you guys this this uh, this graphic earlier, but it was a really uh, interesting article over by all of our good friends over at PFF, and it was about uh, surplus value of each position in the NFL, and it's basically like the value of positions by what their next the second contract is, and that's tiered by. I can share my screen. Let's take a look. It's, it's, it's interesting. If I just want to, while you're doing that, Tommy, I just um, checked points bet. So I, and by the way, we're not fans of points bet here at the back judge. That's just a little bit of context. They didn't let, let me get down on Rutgers the way I wanted to. Uh, so we got, we got a little beef with points bet, but uh, Icky to be the number two pick 20 to one, Evan Neal, 25 to one and sauce Gardner 25 <laughs> to one. So this conversation we're having is kind of a pie in the sky conversation, according to, the folks at at points bet they're more and and clep, cover your ears but Malik Willis plus two seventy five to be the number two pick on points well, bet. Well, I so, mean that's you know cover my ears, but I have a plus five hundred ticket. So. You do, you do. Yes, sir. CLV, CLV with Adam. And I also wanted to just just my closing and, well, statement. Damn, I wanted to dude, make Bucky Brooks just said zero percent chance the Lions take a QB though on the most recent Move the Sticks podcast. So sorry, love Tom. to hear that. Really. Are him and that's, Brad that's, rubbing that's elbows? What's going on? But I was just going to say, DJ. DJ said eight percent, probably. I was. I was just going to say quickly that um, I. I would back the Lions taking if like a corner like Akuda was because I defended the Akuda pick, um, and I thought Akuda was going to be a number one corner in the league, and that's why I defended it so hard, and it was like a a bright spot for Bob Quinn's tenure. Uh, for me, and obviously that's that's come back to slap me all over the face so far. But um, if Akuda was a number one corner, I'm not even saying he's great. Like he's just a corner that's reliable, and like you had a warrior in him uh, as you know a one one a or whatever it would be. The pick would look like it wouldn't be a regrettable pick. It's like the the, the roster is bad, and we have like a young number one corner on our roster. And I think if you can get that in Sauce Gardner. That's just like that's very uh, that's very valuable. Yeah, um, Tommy, what's my this, screen? What's this chart showing here? Okay, so we have all the positions numbered from in terms of the elite tier. Um, this is up for the the twenty two uh, salary cap. So this is quarterbacks, you know, on their second contract, what they're getting from their rookie deal. An elite, you're averaging forty one point eight million second tier, and this is how PFF grades it. So I'm not exactly sure who they're. But 31 million average, 7.8. That's what we're seeing for the the Mitch Trubisky's, the Andy Dalton's of the world, and then lower tier 3.9 replacement 0.7, which is the league minimum. So that's replacement is for everybody. But you see, um, and even me talking about corner a lot, like not as um, not as it's a very valuable position, but actually it's kind of hard to hit on in the draft. And there's been a lot of first round corner busts. What can you back um, up? What is this draft? What is this chart showing overall. again? Like the. Okay. It's like the valuation. So these, the positions. This is like the average contract val or contract values actually. So this is how PFF values an elite quarterback coming off their first contract is forty one point okay. eight million dollars per year, and you know, running back fourteen point two or whatever. And this and it's compiled with uh, team like precedent pretty much. And then they have these charts about, you know, 30 topics good enough to earn second contracts, and you see how it's broken down um, there. But I just think it's really interesting to go back to your what you're talking about, Adam, in terms of, like, you know, 
if you have a safety, if Kyle Hamilton, for example, is the number one player on your board, this kind of comes into it where, you know, is Kyle Hamilton going to make the same impact that if you get, you know, Trayvon Walker or Kayvon Hutchinson and they become an elite player, like what you're the value that you're getting financially by doing that when the max value of a safety according to them is 16.7 million and for an edge player is 25 25 and a half million so nine nine more million dollars so just very interesting things and you guys can take a look and it, how it's broken down just for the listeners it's quarterback first and then in descending order so are they edge, saying that those are the most valuable line. positions or, or what not explicitly but it's just kind of like context of um it's just the surplus value. So, like the value that you're getting if you hit on on a, okay. a variety of degrees against. So, if you have Justin Jefferson right now and he's making however much he's making, got it, got it, got it, got it. So those those numbers are like what set, those players are making, right? And it's like, oh, I took Justin Jefferson yes. and he's elite. And elite receivers get paid twenty-two yes. million dollars, and I'm paying him like yes. three million this year. Got you. Yes. Which comes? Why into, are like, some of these like red though? What does that mean? Have... That means that like um, they, they just don't like running backs. You know, I didn't. Uh, yeah, that's sure. Like, yeah, this is probably how they feel, or the value that running sure, back bad the value that mm-hmm. these positions bring. Yeah, running back back. Um, I want <clears throat> to kind of turn the gears a little bit, if you guys don't mind. That's fine. Um, what do you guys think, Adam, I'll have you go first. What do you think the likelihood is that the Jets draft a tackle with the fourth pick? You have to take into account, obviously, who you kind of think is going to be available they also have what? Seven, is it? Or ten. ten. Four and so ten. Maybe they go ten for the tackle. I don't but all that stuff being taken into account. What, what uh, do you think? Um I'll put it at twenty five percent. Okay. Tommy, what about you? I think they're taking care Why are you so dead set? Really like what's you, just curious. Like why are you you've been saying this for a while? Because I think Sala I think Sala. You went into the Sala's mind of a Robert like Sala. I, <laughs> I just think it makes a lot of sense, especially with um, how he's falling. And you know, there is like some. Per- it, but I also think it's a huge need on their team. Like going back to our corner conversation, they have Carl Lawson. Outside of that, there's not a lot, and he's coming off an Achilles tear. And we're all very high on Kayvon Thibodeau um, about not only his ceiling but also his floor. Adam, you think he's the best edge rusher in the draft, so. And I think Sala is going to see that. He sees what he had in San Francisco. He had three edge rushers who could get after it when they went to the Super Bowl. Um, obviously, Bosa, D. Ford, and the you know the D lineman they had. They have a they have a pretty good uh, interior D line as it is. But I think they're missing some players, and I think they're going to. Uh, I think it's edge. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make like this is. I mean, this, I think the Jets would just be an interesting team to talk about. To me. Tackle is who you should be taking, and I think either Icky or Evan Neal are going to be there yeah. at four. Um, I hear things from I like listening to the uh, the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. I like uh, I like yep. uh, you know Great Trevor Sikkimon. Uh, Connor Rogers isn't so bad, right? Is that is it? yeah, and so it's and so he's bad. a Jets guy. He seems to be saying that yeah. like they like George Fant, and like Joe Douglas drafted Mackay Becton. So, like, I don't really know if I see them, like, taking... To me, like, if you took Evan Neal and you could plug him in at right tackle, all of a sudden your, like, offensive line on paper is one of the better ones in the league if you can, like, if they all stay healthy. And to me, just go back to, like, watching... For whatever Joe Douglas, bless his heart, saw in Zach Wilson, um, that man had a lot of clean pockets in college. Like, you can't deny that. That man sat back there for five, six seconds in the Mountain West and, and slung that ball around. Yep. And all of a sudden, you get into the league, and, wow, I only have, like, three seconds to throw because I'm on the Jets and we suck and our offensive line is terrible. I just want to make it clear right now. I think it's arguably the biggest no-brainer 
in the top five. If Evan Neal's available with the, at four, you do not even think you take him if you're the Jets. You spent all your money on free age, uh, in free agency on defense, essentially. You got Carl Lawson last offseason. He's coming back. I know from an Achilles, but he's he can he can get Who's after the second it. best pass rusher. I guess Quinnen. I mean, I my argument is they just my they argu- don't. That it's it's my it's argument is the, there's depth at also, edge, and your second best tackle is George Fant, who I don't care how much Joe Douglas believes in George Fant. He's not a good football player. Your offensive line was not very good last year, and if you can. Also, forget the George Fant conversation. As much as I love Becton, he hasn't been able to stay healthy whatsoever. That seems like it's going to be a lingering issue for him in the NFL. I think that Evan Neal immediately is the best tackle on your team in terms of availability and skill set. If you draft him at four, and you need to protect Zach Wilson. You need to protect him. You don't have the luxury, in my opinion, to take a Kayvon Thibodeau. You don't, and then be like, "Oh, we'll just get an, we'll we'll just get a tackle in the second round, or what?" You take the best tackle on the board at four, and the way the market's shaping up, when the, the limited books that have uh, fourth overall pick, you know, available, it's it's ten to one for Evan Neal. Um, I just want to say, you know, Ooh. I don't want to make an ego bet. I haven't I haven't played it because this is an ego take. It's like this is what I would do, and I don't know what the Jets if they. I, it seems like they like George Fant. That's probably why the odds are the way that they are with Evan Neal. I just think they'd be making a monumental mistake by passing on a tackle with the fourth pick and just being like, oh, well, you know, maybe we'll let one slide to 10. And sure, if you can get Charles Cross at 10, more power to you. I think he'll be gone. Um, but you got to take a guy at four, in my opinion. I think, yeah. I mean, I do agree with you. I also think even if they like George Fant, which they seem to do, it seemed that he had the best year of his uh, career last year. He still is on the last year of his deal, as uh, Connor Rogers likes to, to point out. But also, out. even if he had the best um, year, like their line so was bad been. last year. It wasn't good. And Becton was hurt all year. Yeah. I know you spent money to get Lake and Tomlinson. You've bu- they've built the interior offensive line fairly well, right? I mean, they got Ver- – I don't know how good Vera Tucker was, but they got Vera Tucker, Connor McGovern, Dan Feeney. You need a you need a bookend tackle, and you need Becton to stay healthy. You can't. I wouldn't be gambling on Becton's health. Like to me, it's almost like you got to expect Becton's going to probably miss some time. You need a you need a trustworthy tackle. You need to protect Zach Wilson. His his uniform was a little too dirty last year. And man, Jordan Whitehead, DJ Reed. You know they spent money and a lot of draft capital last year on the defense. Their defense. Sal is a defensive guy. You got to kind of be like, okay, now let's take care of the offensive side of the ball, which was kind of inept last year. And you know, Zach, we're gonna hope we saw we saw things we liked from Zach Wilson down the stretch last year. We're gonna hope that he can have a little bit of improvement going into his second year, just like all these other teams, Fields, Lawrence. We want to see improvement in the second year. In order to foster that improvement, you need to prioritize protecting this guy. And the way to do that, in my opinion, is by spending. If I'm the Jets, I spend. My fourth pick on Evan Neal if he's there, and the tenth pick I'm taking the best receiver on my board, and I'm surrounding Zach Wilson with playmakers on offense, and I'm letting the defensive side of the ball be handled by Sala, and we can make depth depth picks like we did last year. I don't necessarily disagree. I I honestly am just like Clep. Would you take Thibodeau? If he's like the number one player on your board. He, he is the number one player on your board, right? Or- yeah, I don't know. This is like where my my little. Uh, gets gets put to the test. My little theory gets put to the test because it's also yeah. like in order for this machine for this to work like in New York, like you need Zach Wilson to to pan out, right? And it's like am I doing I don't know, I took this kid second overall, so like do I think he can overcome these things? Like you kind of have to go into the mind of like a Joe Douglas where it's like where where is his head at in terms of like where his team is, right? And it this also is Sorry to interrupt, but I think it's relevant. It's this is also kind of it. It's this kind of comes back to the Bengals last year, Adam. Yeah. In ways, like if they get Drake, you know, if they get their number one receiver, not even saying he's Jamar Chase, but if they have, you know, a Drake London, who I know Lee and I really like, Elijah Moore and Corey Davis, and they take Kayvon Thibodeau at four, and you know, not even thinking about their defense, and the offense is able to. And I'm not saying it will. I don't. I don't. Even though I wanted that, I thought Chase was the right pick. I still don't know if taking a receiver over, 
you know, I still don't think you can make a definitive statement that, you know, pass catchers versus a mediocre line, like, where do you land on it? I, I mean, I don't know. I think I still lean pass catchers and talent, but I, I still I agree exactly with what you're saying, Lee. And I, I like Evan Neal a lot. He's probably he's a top three. Yeah, me, I just so. think I don't know. And I, I totally get where you're coming from, but I do think with everybody across the board doing football analysis, we need to be careful about using the Bengals as a litmus test because I don't really nest I I do think that there's good points to be made in there, but I also think a lot of the things that happened for the Bengals last year were kind of an anomaly, and you can't necessarily rely on that type of stuff happening in the infrastructure of your franchise to be built around that model. I just think it's kind of a risky thing to do. And also, in order for the Bengals' methodology to work, Zach Wilson needs to take a monumental step from the quarterback position in a way where, obviously, Burrow had the injury, but even before the injury, Burrow had flashes of being a franchise quarterback that were more consistent and more based in things that, that lead to winning in the NFL than what Zach Wilson did in his first year. And I'm not saying that it's impossible for that to happen, but to just yeah, kind totally, of put that totally. blind faith in, in a player like Wilson, I think you're doing Wilson a disservice by, expecting, by, by, by setting the bar at that level. And I think it's more safe and it's more of a, of, a, of a sound organizational move to do it a traditional way and build from the trenches. Um, and I'm not even saying like overdo it, but I'm just saying, but, but I'm just saying, too. man, I mean, yeah, protect, know, your, protect your franchise quarterback. And I know, I know that the, the, the pass rush isn't great, but obviously you have, you spent a lot of money on Carl Lawson last year. You, you signed Solomon Thomas this off season. You got some good guys on the inside. And there's, again, like I said, there's depth at the edge position in the draft this year. You got the what is it? The, the fourth pick in the in the second round. There's going to be guys there that I'm sure they like a lot, um, and you can you can build that way. But I think yeah, I think that's another interesting like conversation about like just taking best player available. It's also like what is the in that absolutely draft from round one to round two. What is the drop off between you know our our top rated tackles and the ones who we think will be available in round two versus the drop off in talent between edges. Yeah, I, I was just about to make that point that I think in this draft, Lee is right that edge is certainly deeper than tackle. Um, yeah, so I, I, I mean, I again, I don't really know where I stand in this particular situation because it's pretty much like Thibodeau and Neal are my second and third player, and I, I'm gonna have my eyes peeled on Joe know, Douglas this, in I, this in the specifically in the first two rounds of this year's draft because yeah. Obviously, like you said, Clep, listen, he's losing his job if Wilson doesn't pan out. Like, if Wilson doesn't pan out, it's over for him. But I really think that even with what I don't like Zach Wilson, I don't love Zach Wilson. I, I don't really even like him that much. I did have like a late second round grade on him. I think that there are ways that they could be good. I understand. I don't think it's going to happen immediately. But I think in order for that reality to pan out and for the people like Tommy who love Zach Wilson, you have to, you have to prioritize making his life easier especially with the defenses in that division. I just think you got to make that kind of your first order of business. Yeah. Yeah, and like I would I would you know, almost in the yeah, I think I also, we were like having the same conversation about Trevor Lawrence and we thought much highly, sure. much more highly of Trevor Lawrence yep. than than we did Zach Wilson. He's definitely not exempt from the conversation. Lee. But it's like we're when we're talking about like hey, like take a tackle, like Yeah, I I mean shoot, I said the same thing about the if I were the Jaguars on the board, I mean, I don't know for sure what I do right now, but if if I had to answer the question right now, I'd say, man, I'm taking Evan Neal and I'm going to plug him in at left tackle immediately. Or just plug him at guard and if you want to play Robinson, you, you give him like I, – I still would do that. Or play him at right tackle and Jawan Taylor, you know, one yeah. of our, our old crushes can, can hit the bit. I do think that's an interesting look from a betting standpoint too though. Evan Neal at 10-1 to 1 to be the fourth pick. I know that there's buzz around yeah. George Fant, but shoot, man, that's pretty good value if you're yeah, looking at. I think you're hoping you're hoping Icky Icky doesn't and, or that Icky goes before, right? So they say Houston. Icky's ten to one as well. Maybe just sprinkle a little bit on both. Yeah. It also, yeah, I know. I'm sure the Jets. Uh, I know they love Icky, or at least that's the word. Um, yeah, it just made me think right now about the twenty uh, twenty tackle class. Just kind of in the way that with Andrew Thomas going one, where like we definitely thought there was a chance of that happening, but everyone was kind of all over the place. And Evan Neal sure. has kind of taken a back seat 
um, in the draft process for, you know, I think Aquanu and Cross are both like, awesome I love Charles players. Cross I think it's kind of eerily reminiscent. Yeah. Of the, of the 20, I don't see how you can dislike any of the, big, that's another prop. Big I want to throw out Charles honest. Cross um, under seven and a half is plus one Oh five, maybe even higher yeah. at some spots. I think that's a pretty good bet. But you know what, Lee, it, it comes down to the Panthers taking a quarterback or not. If the Panthers take a quarterback, then you Well, that's what I'm Jets saying. Is like the, I think the Jets tackle. could take a tackle. I think the Giants could take a tackle. I think the Texans could take a tackle. And I think that the Panthers could even take a tackle if they don't take a quarterback. So I think that, that that's kind of the – I think there's a lot of opportunities for tackles to be taken. And you're kind of playing with house money if things kind of go awry and let's say the Jaguars take a tackle to start or like we talked about the Lions or anything like that happening. So – um, I just think that's an interesting look for sure. Yeah, Malik is down to plus four hundred, by the way, on BetMGM mm. for, for a second overall. So I've gotten a little more value. There. I've seen the Kavon number has come down K- a little bit, and I don't yeah, really know Kayvon why. Plus five hundred. Yeah, I don't really know. I think it's attrition from Kyle Hamilton falling. Yeah, sure. I think just naturally Kyle Hamilton fell, so these other guys kind of like naturally have to be pushed up a little bit. Mm. Right. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. If you look, hey, Sauce plus three thousand. Plus three thousand to be the I second also pick. Think that, yeah, I mean, that might be too good to pass up. That might be too good to pass up. Like, how how shocked are we going to be at after round one of the draft after the first ten picks if Thibodeau and Stingley are both top ten picks? I'll be shocked. I'd be pretty shocked. I wanted to throw out Stingley as one of my potential uh, guys, maybe that could fall out of the first round. I, I, I that just made me think of a prophecy. No way. That just made me think of a prophecy. No I'll put a uh, a yap down that Devin Lloyd goes before Stingley. Ooh. I'll put a yap down that Devin Lloyd goes before Stingley. Meet me meet me in the arena, Tommy. I, I, meet me in the arena. I, I will meet I'll meet you in the arena 100% and I think there's a high chance that I think Stingley's floor is 15 to the Eagles. It could be Stingley at 15 and Lloyd at 16. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I hope Shane Steichen I, yeah, I think is listening. Shane Steichen's a back judge listener. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I just think Stingley, uh, just the potential, man. I don't know. I, I and, and what he did in 2019. And I know like that's just kind of what you say, but he has all the measurables and the hype with him coming out of LSU is – is I don't like players that are that people. There, there's buzz that people question his love for the game. So, I don't know. Stingley has played. I saw something. Stingley has played ten games the last two years. Yep. Yeah. I also want to say too. Um, I know I'm. I'm kind of being the odds guy right now. I'm into it. Uh, the whole conversation around Evan Neal being the first tackle. Um, I think it's the better value play is uh, betting on Evan Neal to be the number three pick. It's like three to one at some spots. I think that it's kind of, I mean, maybe a 55-45 thing based on how the media is framing it, that Icky's going to be the first tackle. But I think Houston is going to take a tackle. Um, and I think Evan Neal at three to one is probably a, a pretty decent look just from a value standpoint, um, you know, the way yeah. that kind of shakes up. Well, we've kind of dissected the mm-hmm. various ways to attack that, and um, it's obviously the most direct of the bets. You don't have as much uh, wiggle room, obviously, but yeah, that's 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 a good point. I don't know what to think about Houston, man. Like, I think they're going to take a tackle too, but it's Casario, and you know, I don't. I just am pretty sure they're not going to take a quarterback. Yeah, I don't so. think they're definitely not going to take a quarterback. I don't think. I mean, they could be live for Thibodeau and uh, Walker. I'm sure, you know. Maybe even, maybe even Sauce. Right. Maybe you know, who knows? What do you guys think? Like the chalk top five is right now. Hutchinson. Just generally, or to teams like team. Like, yeah, who Hutchinson team one, yeah. Walker the two. Top, the, the top five order. Hutchinson one, Walker two, Icky three. This is where it gets interesting with the Jets at See, four. Yeah. Like, what's the chalk? What's the chalk? The chalk isn't Thibodeau to the Jets, is it? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the chalk is. Man. I would say Neil would be the saying, chalk like, for me. I don't think there's really a market for it. for the Jets. Like I'm not. I, yeah. 
Can you look up? Wait, wait, let's just see the I, odds for the number. MGM pick. only goes to the third overall pick. There, there's, go to the fourth. There's, there's different books you can have access to here. I'm going to get off win bet because. But Evan Neal, but Evan Neal and Icky are both at three and a half for their over under. I think Sauce and could like, be a sneaky fourth pick. That was the most recent prop the draft could, yeah. uh, or the yeah. ETR put out. Yeah. Was um in the. Friggin' number has plummeted. Those guys are like totally influencing the market. So more power to those guys at ETR. Yeah. Really heady guys over there. Um, Ahmad Gardner, Gardner, they got at 16 to 1 on FanDuel to be the fourth overall pick. It's now 4 to 1. Um, so just wow. if you can do that to a market, uh, I have respect for you. Um, let's just check out DraftKings real quick to see – what the odds are for for the fourth overall pick? Pick number. All right. Yeah, Thibodeau's the chalk, Tommy. Thibodeau is the is plus two fifty. Jermaine Johnson plus four fifty. Ahmad Gardner plus four fifty. And then you get into guys who I'm already. Evan Neal oh, ten to one. Dude, I feel like Neal and dude, I feel like that's a play. Evan Neal's ten to one. I think ten to one on like Evan Neal a- is a play, man. I think that's a play for sure. What's a quantum? Ten to one. He's ten to one on. Right? He's nine to one on DraftKings. He's ten to one on Caesars. Um, like throw, just throw like to go to number know, four. Like a little bit on each of those guys. I would throw a little bit on agree. each of those guys, and I'd throw a tiny bit on Cross. Just Cross. Cross is fifty to one. Um, I just think he's he's supposedly the best uh, pass blocking tackle. I think if. If Icky goes three, it's a matter of who you like, or if Neil goes three. I it's guess kind maybe of even like outside of like even outside of like picking like what players specifically go where, like what are the most likely players to go top five, like in not necessarily in any particular order. Like we think like probably Hutchinson's probably a lock to go top five. Hutchinson and then like are both are both Icky and Neil top five locks? No, I think one of them are. I think I think Sauce is a top five lock. No, is Malik a no top shot. five lock? Malik Willis, fuck no. No, I think Sauce. Sorry, I, I think Sauce is a top five. I think Sauce is a top five not. odds on. Really? Yeah, dude. MGM has him as as under and, uh, under Sauce seven is. and a half right now. I think Sauce. So if you think goes. he's a top five lock, and you get you're getting two extra picks there. It's minus one thirty five, but still. I think he goes. I think he could go four or five. I think the only lo- I think the only people I'd say are players I'd say are locks are Hutchinson, Walker, and then one. Do you think of you think Walker is a top Neal five lock? Ikwe. I just think that I don't know. I'm, I I it seems like he's the the number two edge. I don't know what to I don't know what to think. I'd love to say that that Kayvon's a top five I lock, think but I, I mean I don't know. Too much, there hasn't been any. They've, there's they've too much smoke around the Kayvon. Like I totally won't be shocked if he goes top five, but I also won't be shocked if he like drops to Seattle at ten or something. Who do you think? Who do you think is more likely to go top five right now, Walker or Thibodeau? Walker, one hundred percent. Walker, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. So I have. I think that there's an edge that's going to go on the top five. I think the Giants for sure are taking a tackle, probably at five because of Carolina at six. And I think corner could be live too, but I can't say I can't say that because the Jets, as we I don't think about Sauce is a top five up. lock. But I'm saying in the reality where I have to pick five players that I'm predicting to go top five, he's in there over Thibodeau. For me, that so it would too. be yeah. Hutchinson, Walker, my point. Icky, Icky, Neil, Neil and, Sauce. and Sauce. Sauce could go three. He could go two. He could go yeah. two. He could go two. Lord knows what Brad Holmes is cooking up. I mean, like, I, shoot. He went to King. I mean. Do you think there's any chance the Texans take I think Hamilton, Hamilton is out. Yeah, out of the I top no five. Chance. Hamilton, no I could see dropping out of the top ten. Yeah. My, uh, over eight and a half is minus 175 on FanDuel. Yeah, I think crazy. Hamilton. Yeah. I think Hamilton could that's drop to the Eagles. Forty. Or yeah, you know, possible. I don't know. Maybe the Ravens. I don't know. It's just like you're going to be hard. Think, you're going to be hard pressed to find a team. Thirteen. Yeah, you're going to be hard pressed to find a team that's going to take a risk drafting a safety, especially one who doesn't have like elite speed at in the top ten. I'm also. 
I'm also egotistically not the right guy to talk to you about Hamilton. Yeah. So that you have to you have to yeah. sprinkle a little sugar on my Hamilton takes. Um, but yeah, I, I think that he's definitely going to drop out of the top eight for sure. I could see Seattle's a wild card to me. I could see them taking a guy like Hamilton or, you know, I, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but I thought it was kind of fitting that Bucky had Devin Lloyd going to Seattle at 10. I just feel like they're, Seattle is kind of one of those teams similar to the Mayock situation where they're just going to, they just take their guys kind of, they really don't. LJ Collier. Yeah. They just take their guys. So I think they're kind of a, a bit of a wild card. Jordan Brooks and Lloyd. Yeah, I um, yeah, I think Hamilton is kind of. I think the conversation for him probably starts at Washington at eleven, and then I think Houston at thirteen. Like I could see, I could see Houston walking away with you know a blue chip at three, and then coming back and getting Hamilton and really yeah, it seems like a very Casario uh, Patriots move, and they obviously they need. I think Houston should be really conservative. Hamilton can fill a lot of roles. I think they should be really. That would be my philosophy for the Texans: is like just be super conservative and just. Understand that you're still early in the rebuild, and you know, see how Mills progresses. Get some get some pieces on the O line. But I also think you can make not even I'm not even saying that I disagree with you, but also like why not try and I feel like you have to have a mix of both. You know, like you also you are early in the rebuild, and you are playing with house money to a like to a certain extent where the team isn't going to be good. And I think it just kind of, you know, it goes to like a convert, conservatism at, at what point, you know, because getting a guy like, you know, whoever Trayvon Walker to take an example, who's a guy who we are kind of lower on than I guess the consensus, but obviously has athletic ability out the wazoo and therefore sky high potential. Um, like taking a guy like them, if they really think he has the chance to be, that type of impact player, I think, is, mm. is an interesting conversation. Oh, yeah. I think I might want to get down on on uh, Evan Neal at 10-1 to 1 at some point soon here to go forth. I think it's a smart play because it's just I, like I think, I think, I think all, your... that's what I think is kind of like pushing these tackles up because it's like, number one, like you've seen a lot of tackles get drafted high recently and they like are immediately good. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I mean, last year was Slater and Sewell, the Wharfs, Becton, what about class, like all those guys ended up being good. Um, so it's just like, to what degree do you even feel comfortable if you're the Jets? Like if you, if you have, have identified tackle as like a, a, a place of need and, and you want to draft one, to what degree are you going to risk one that you like being there at 10? When yeah. like, I think both of us would say there's an over 80% chance that both, that like one of Icky or Neil are going to be there. Yes. It seems like. Yeah, I think to, to go back to, to Lee, your conversation on it, I mean, and when you said both Icky and Neil are 10 to 1 to go for. Yeah, they're both 10 on Caesars. Nine. Yeah, but like going to Caesars and, and splitting, you know, a $100 unit, for example, and throwing 50 bucks on each side. And You're basically saying one of the top two tackles is going to go to the Jets, and you get yes. you know a four hundred fifty dollar payout, yeah. assuming you lose on one of them. Obviously, you know I, I think that's a really yeah. good value play. And if it's not, I think if it's not them, then to me it would have to be Kayvon or I guess an edge rusher. Or I also a, I also do right? think or though you I, do have to bake in a little risk of like what if the Jets aren't picking there at four. Um, yeah, I don't think a lot of us are projecting sure. like many trades because of the lack of like high caliber QBs. Um, but it's like, hey, I mean, you know, I like, think it could obviously, yeah. I think there's two sides to that argument though, Clep, where it's like a team could be trading up for Neil, 100. percent You know, 100. percent That's how I feel about my ticket with like Malika too. Mm-hmm. Like, who's to say that the team that the, if the Lions try and trade back, who's to say that they're not? You know, it's a, that ticket could get a lot better. Yeah. And and also I think it's worth mentioning too just the lack of kind of top ten trades I feel like we've seen in the past at least last year and the year before. Well, last right? year we had like two. Um, last year there was a lot. Last year there was the Niners and the Eagles. 
Well, yeah, but those that was that was kind of mm-hmm. earlier in the process. Yeah, like we knew we were mocking Miami at six. I'm I'm saying on draft day, like the Falcons didn't trade the Bengals, the you know the Lions, the it only came down with the Giants going after Fields, and I guess the Eagles took Devonta uh, traded with the Cowboys to get Devonta Smith. So I think in terms of trading, yes, that's always a risk, but I don't know. Uh, I think you can only give that so much attention. Um, with at least the last two trends of drafts, and I think you bring up a good point, Adam, just with the quarterbacks too. Like, who's, you know, if you're going to be trading up for someone, I feel like it's going to be a corner, a tackle, or an edge if it's not a cornerback. And then when's the last time that's happened? So, yeah. <laughs> Second round. Uh, <laughs> Team needs? Uh, we're, we're approaching the 60 minute mark. Yeah, we're. Well. Um, should, we, should we wrap it up with the. I think we can do that, you know, another, another pot. Should we wrap it up with maybe our, our guys that could drop out of yeah. the first? Like. Yep. I don't know, because it's just like this. I mean, even going into draft night, like, we thought, like, GOK was a lock for for the first round. So, like, who who are some of the guys that you guys think maybe, like, who knows, like, could be sitting there for, for teams like the Jags and the Lions, you know, when they come back around that, like, they're... Tyler Linderbaum. That's interesting. That's an interesting one. Tyler Linderbaum is, uh, I think, I think that's a chalky pick, but I think with positional value and... I don't think it's likely, granted, but, I mean, I think that's a one that we all could be kind of shocked if he gets past... Um, he would just have to get past some teams, but... What teams really need a center are the, uh, you know, we would like to think the Bengals or a team like the Titans I know have a need, but, you know, I don't know. High-profile name, probably a top-ten player on a lot of people's boards, but a lot of media people's boards, and I'm sure teams as well, but. I think Henning is an interesting one. Hmm. Mm. I would say uh, Nicobe Dean. Um, I know he's not really being mocked super high, but. He's a guy who could fall into the second round, I think. And then I know another guy. What about your boy Carl Loftus? I think Carl Loftus is for sure going to go top 20. I think I think he had a little bit of a fall. Like I don't know, for, for whatever reason, his stock was falling earlier in the dra- in draft season. And, and I think that he's kind of come around the bend and people are starting to come back a little bit on him. I also think... To be a little more controversial, I think maybe one of these receivers falls out of the first round. I know everyone's mocking all these receivers, and I'm not necessarily mm. t- saying that the receiver won't get taken, but I think maybe a Christian Watson gets taken instead of a – or Sky Moore gets taken instead of, you know, Burks or Dotson, and one of those guys maybe falls into the second round. Elijah and Rondale both fell last year, and at least Elijah had a lot more first yeah. round hype than I guess Rondale did, but still – Worth noting. Um, oh, Devonta Wyatt, I think, could be one. I don't think he's going to. Jordan to, Davis, but, too. Uh, he, I think Davis just has like too much hype, and I, I would be shocked if Jordan Davis fell out of the first round after the combine. Mm-hmm. I just think the NFL... I think there was definitely some... He was getting mocked in the second before the combine, and Wyatt was kind of the consensus um, interior uh, D lineman, but he's, like, he's 24, so I think... He's just a little bit on that older end, and teams, for whatever reason, could, you know, not take him because of that. But just what I do know, um, chances Hamilton falls Zero. out of round one. I like. I don't know. Three, I'd but... say like seven, seven percent. No way. Yeah. No way. No way. I think there's a higher chance that Hamilton falls out of the first round than Stingley. And I and I'm not saying that there's a chance. Uh, I like disagree. I, I think Stingley. I, I think I put Stingley's odds to fall out of the first round at like twenty. Because I think there's a lot of other corners that teams like. Like I think that Sauce is the consensus number one. But then there's guys like Booth and McDuffie and Elam. Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, and then and also think yeah, but also Stingley could be the cons- could be some teams one too. Yeah, he could he could be, which I think. Yeah, awesome. I'm blanking on the name that kid yeah, from Tech last year. Yeah, Harley. Well, and then even going back, he to went a couple, late. Going back a he couple years, Greedy Williams. Late. Greedy yeah. Williams fell out of the first yeah. round. He was kind of a, a a guy everyone kind of assumed would go. 
Yeah, but Greedy Williams, like, towards the draft, was getting mocked, like, in the 20s. And I don't know. I just haven't seen Stingley drop that deep. And I, I don't know. I think just, like, at corner. I think, and I, I think he's just a better prospect than Greedy. And I think most people... I see. I, I see people. You know, I see. Weird class I see. Move this I watched like the mock draft show with Mo- or whatever with Bucky, and and they were using practice tape for St- for Stingley. It's like, <laughs> oh, look what he did in practice against Jamar Chase in 2019. Like that's like what they're showing. That's yeah. like his real. It's like, what are we doing here? Yeah, it's. Which I mean, yeah, I know it's like impressive or whatever been... that I guess you can like man up Jamar like uh, whatever, but it's like. You're in a situation where it's like you're wearing shorts and you just like know you're in man coverage and don't have to worry about like reading for run or like looking. It's just like whatever. He also was like the best uh, player like in college Tommy, football as a freshman as 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 a, def- a defensive player. In college you football. just put these blanket like best like, player in, best. in college. Dude, he was in the Heisman race as a freshman as a corner because he was literally shutting down. Other teams. How teams how teams I don't know man. how relevant is that? Like three years later, when he when he had when I'm he had a, a long term foot injury and hasn't played that. well since then. Yeah, I just think it's hard. Like you guys know, I love McDuffie. If you like, even Stingley as cornerback three, that's where I think as low as you could put him, and you can point to Farley last year. Like corners are gonna go because it's a valuable position and like all of the NFL could use more corners. So I just, and, and in terms of Hamilton from a pure positional value standpoint, like Lee, you might not be in the my minority and people are like, I'd rather just take Berkser, like a team like Houston or the lions. We're like, I'd rather take Berkser or, you know, uh, Daxon Hill or Jalen Petrie or seen from, from Georgia than Hamilton. When in the second round, when you're doing that with corners, it's a completely different conversation. So I just think the odds of I think I will fade the the Stingley. It's the same thing as Caleb Farley last year. Like Caleb Farley had I think a worse injury and a back injury that was kind of you know there was a and that's why he fell, but he still went you know twenty two. So I think it's just more of a positional value conversation. Any uh, any other uh, draft thoughts, boys? Miss. Do you think there's any chance Devin Lloyd doesn't yeah. get drafted in the first round? I think it's because yeah. of the same same. I think that's a good point, Tommy, about like positional value. Like the track record of off the ball linebackers yeah. in round one has not exactly been great the last uh, couple of drafts. I mean, so. that'd be great for the Lions. Yeah. I mean, if Devin Lloyd's the, if, if Devin Lloyd's risk, there at thirty, I probably would not risk him getting there. If Devin Lloyd's there at thirty-two. Uh, I'd be hard pressed <laughs> to find a more, you know, a better pick. But yeah, we'll see. Draft day. Yeah, Johnny I, I agree. I, I five think years same later, thing how am I the man still? Draft day. Hey, Wiggins. Fuck that other side, bitch. We stay winning. Oh man, you know I had to do it for you. You know I had to do it for you. Sometimes yelling out, pay the guys, man, I had to do it for you. You know I had to do it for you. You know I had to do it for you. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man, man. You know I had to. Sometimes I laugh with God about how you can't stop me. I'm his darkest angel probably, but he still got me. Yeah. I'm getting mine, but still I better live. The shit I set aside to make sure that my people get in by. Brunch was.